0: Morning, church. It is good to be together. Uh, my eldest daughter, her name is Sophia. She um, she loves to read. She's an avid reader, and and she does this to her books. I don't I don't know if you can see it from back there, but it's filled with stickies. She annotates them. Um, she writes all these explanatory notes as as she's reading. Uh, she's underlining uh, quotes that, th- that are in there that are funny, that are meaningful for her. She makes comments uh, about the different characters. And, and there's all these spots uh, in these different stories where she's highlighting the plot um, or all those wonderful things that she doesn't see coming. Right, she puts these big exclamation marks for these, you know, times of tension or conflict in the story. And, and the, there's highlighter, sort of where the, the story finally works itself out in the end. Soph loves a great story. I, I think we all love a great story, and, and that's, what, that's what we're talking about today, story. Story is the final S in our Bless series that we have been walking through. You know, we have been learning together as a church on connecting with new people, people who, who don't know Jesus, and, and how to share with them, and how to bless them with the love of Christ. We started with B, be in prayer, L, listen, E, eat together, do life together with others, S, the first S was for serve, to serve others. And now today, our second S for story. We're learning about sharing our story. S is for story. We can bless others by sharing our story with them. Now recently, I was blessed by a story that was shared with me by a friend, with Charles Smith. Charles, would you like to, to come up here? Today, we thought that it would be neat if Charles shared this story with all of us, this story that, that points to all the, the beautiful things that we have been talking about together in this blessed series. We're just going to invite Charles to, to take it from here. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Karen and I have had the privilege, over the years, of watching friends and co-workers travel from unbelief to a relationship with our Savior. From that, from that experience, over the next number of minutes, I'll explain eight principles which I have come to learn about that experience of sharing faith. Uh, I'll tell a story of my friend Richard, which uh, exemplifies the parts of bless. Uh, And then I'll explain a Hebrew word which encapsulates what bless is all about. A few days ago, I was talking with a friend about the bless series. And I confessed to him that I found it really easy to stand in front of 250 medical students and give a lecture. But I was very stressed about standing in front of a church, talking about stories, story sharing. And Jack replied, that's easy. You're an expert in medicine, but it's hard to talk about the things close to your heart. That takes courage. That's what, as Jack said, the blessed series is all about. We're not experts at sharing our heart and encouraging someone to share their heart. But that's what calls what God calls us to do. So the first principle comes from Jack. We are called to be faithful, not an expert. The message we share is written on our hearts. If you are a Christian, you have a message to share. 2 Corinthians 3.3 You are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, written not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. You are a message from Christ, That message is written on you by the Holy Spirit. You need only to be faithful to God. Last Sunday, Jerry began his sermon by mentioning a story, uh, meeting uh, a, a friend who referred to Jerry as, you are a beautiful human being. That's an unusual juxtaposition in words as Jerry acknowledged, but it is true. We are beautiful. We are God's handiwork, marvelously and wonderfully created. At medical school, we spent a year dissecting a human cadaver. I had not grown up in a church-going home, was steeped in the science of evolution, and yet as we went farther and farther into into human anatomy, I couldn't reconcile the extraordinary beauty, the sophistication, the elegance of the human body with the concept that this was a random incident, a mere series of random events that led to such a structure. To me, the human body could only be explained by the fact that it was created marvelously and wonderfully created. To me, the human hand represented the the pinnacle, the epitome of sophisticated mechanical engineering. Not to criticize God's design, but as we dissected the human foot, I thought it was perhaps uh, a little less than beautiful. And that makes sense. We cover it up, with, as our prime minister, with colorful socks. We buy expensive designer shoes with four-inch stiletto heels, anything to make the human foot look beautiful, but it's not. However, the prophet Isaiah teaches us that we can have beautiful feet Isaiah 52 7 how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news who proclaim Peace who bring good tidings who proclaim Salvation who say to Zion your Lord reigns Beautiful feet bring good news and proclaim salvation We can see two things from this. First of all, is that the act of bringing good news, of proclaiming salvation, is a beautiful act. But the second is that crossing the mountain, if it can be regarded as an adventure, would suggest that bringing good news, proclaiming salvation, is an adventure. Whatever be your mission field, You don't cross a mountain range, but you can cross a hallway. You can cross the floor of a cafeteria. You can cross the street. You can start a conversation while standing on the sidelines of your kids' soccer game. Your feet on the mountain means something which only you in your mission field understand. Beautiful feet begin an extraordinary adventure. Bless. Thank you. <clears throat> Bless. BLESS can be a life changing adventure. C.S. Lewis wrote Joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Sharing your story brings that serious business. To the life of another person. Now, a while ago, a couple friends from church, Keith and Gwenda Cheshire, invited me down to their condo in the Miami area. I'm a bird watcher. January is a spectacular time to go bird watching in that part of tropical Florida. I got up very early in the morning, went out bird watching. But by the middle of the morning, it was so hot, the birds are hiding in the cool. Bird watching was over. I went back, said to Keith, I have nothing to do. Keith told me about a chap that lived across the hallway. Uh, Lived alone. One or two people had tried to befriend him. Not very much happened. Uh, And that was, as Keith said, perhaps because he was a foul mouthed chain-smoking drug addict. Um, uh, Keith suggested I take him for coffee. Uh, That's the letter B. Begin by prayer and then step out. I crossed the hallway. I asked him if he wanted to go to coffee in a thick Brooklyn accent. He said, you paying? So I discovered that he was a Falmouth mouthed chain-smoking, drug addict who had no money. I paid. We sat outside Starbucks on the edge of a small park. For three hours, he talked. I listened, he talked. Talked about the usual guy things, from politics to parties. He used to have a a business installing very expensive sound systems in very expensive cars, and his clientele ranged from Hollywood stars to the mafia. It was interesting stuff. I said very little, which was unusual for me. Karen taught me something about listening. The three most important words when listening are, tell me more. Tell me more asks to be invited into another person's world. Tell me more asks to understand their deeper world. Now, not unexpectedly, Richard talked about girls. Uh, He talked about his four wives, and in more detail than I ever cared to hear about. Uh, It helps to have a poker face. Evangelism can seem like dirty business at times. So here's the rule. Your job is to be salt and light, not a judge. We are to follow Christ's example of compassion. Don't judge. You know, while listening to Richard's story, we're listening to someone's story. I have found myself quietly asking God, Where is this conversation going? At times, even in recent weeks when trying to share the gospel, I found myself saying, Lord, I need patience and I need wisdom. I don't know what to say here. By the end of three hours, I was exhausted. Richard was a lonely chap. He had no friends. His family abandoned him. But before we left, I told Richard that I was going to a wedding celebration, and I could invite him. I told him it would be a great wedding banquet that he wouldn't want to miss, and I said, if you're interested, ask me about it, and I'll tell you how to accept the invitation. Richard needed prayer. I was exhausted. I needed prayer support. I told Keith and Gwenda about Richard. It's rule number five. Don't go it alone involve friends and family keith and gwenda prayed and they also offered gracious hospitality which is not something easy to do so with a person like richard one morning richard told me about his special project his golf cart he had purchased a golf cart used golf cart from the masters in augusta georgia and in florida you can license a golf cart and drive it on certain roads. On Friday and Saturday nights, he would drive his golf course down Atlantic Avenue and Delray Beach. It was his social activity, his only activity, his only way to reach out in search of friends. Now, to understand this, Atlantic Avenue is a short section of road which is lined by... (coughs) Expensive restaurants, uh, pubs, uh, ridiculously expensive art galleries, and anything else that can be designed to separate wealthy people from their money. On Atlantic Avenue, poor people would drive a BMW or a Land Rover. Rich people would drive a Bentley or a Ferrari. Richard drove a golf cart. It was absurd but it got worse he asked me to ride with him Um, I was reluctant he persisted and eventually I said yes it's rule number six move out of your comfort zone if it's not illegal immoral or unethical and if there's any chance God's in it move out of your comfort zone I did. Here's what happened. Friday night, Richard, we, Richard and I met around the corner from Atlantic Avenue. He rolled his golf cart off the tiny little trailer and I hopped on board. But it was not like a golf cart I had ever ridden in. At the back of the remember, Richard installed high-end sound systems in expensive cars. Behind the back seat were huge speakers and a big power amplifier the entire vehicle's anatomy was outlined in green and purple LEDs there were video monitors on the side on the back hanging from the roof they were playing 70s disco music videos there was a little ball to shine lights like a disco ball this wasn't a golf cart This wasn't what I had bargained for. I detest disco's music. And Richard pulls onto Atlantic Avenue. We drive past the first bar. Some woman comes running out with a drink in her hand. She tries to hop in. It's a two-seat vehicle. I didn't want her on my lap. I climbed out. Richard caught me on the way back down Atlantic Avenue. We were stopped for selfies. We were stopped by people who wanted Richard to play songs. We were offered free drinks. Richard is getting into bantering and getting into political arguments with people sitting in the bars on the sidewalk. It was an evening that was so patently ridiculous <laughs> that it was extraordinarily amusing. It was out of my comfort zone. I loved it. Saturday night, we're again on Atlantic Avenue. It was more of the same. And I have precious memories of those unusual times with an unusual friend. But I had made a deal with Richard. I would ride Atlantic Avenue if he would come to church. And as much as Atlantic Avenue was out of my comfort zone, for Richard to come to church, was even farther out of his comfort zone Sunday morning we pull up he looks at the church New York accent says that ain't a church, it has no steeple he walked in and he was amazed he was handed a cup of coffee people greeted him like a long-lost friend His picture of the golf cart had been in a local newspaper. People wanted to meet him to shake his hand. (laughs) He had never heard contemporary Christian music. He loved it. Afterwards, found us in a restaurant with Keith and Gwenda, enjoying their hospitality. Two days later, I had to return to Canada. It was our last coffee time together. And so I asked Richard about the wedding invitation to the banquet. It was indeed the marriage supper of the Lamb, of the Lamb of God, Revelation chapter 19. Richard said yes. It was a life-changing moment. I walked through a simple explanation of salvation. And I asked Richard if he wanted to invite God into his heart. And so, with moist eyes, Richard is part of the wedding feast. Of course, being with a person who then makes that statement of faith doesn't end with the story. They need support. They need teaching. They need discipleship. And that was part of Keith's job. Keith Keith told me a great story about the fact that Richard, the foul-mouthed, chain-smoking drug addict, had a changed heart. One morning, one Sunday morning in church, when the choir sang, "Jesus loves me," Richard turned to Keith and said that song's about me about four months later uh, and, and Richard and I had kept in touch by email, I received a phone call from uh, the intensive care unit in the local hospital. They were looking for Richard's family, and the ICU doc wouldn't tell me why. So I said, I presume you're looking for Richard's family so you can discontinue life support. And there was silence. I explained who I was, and I said, he has no family. I'm the closest family he has. I can help you, but you have to give me 24 hours to get there. And the doc said, we'll try our best. Richard had IBD, inflammatory bowel disease. He'd blown a hole in his gut. he developed peritonitis, went into septic shock, arrested, underwent emergency surgery, was in a drug-induced coma on maximum life support. But... He didn't qualify for cessation of life support. He was in renal failure, cardiac failure, 100% oxygenation on maximum end expiratory pressure. There was nothing more that could be done. But he survived. I sat there with him for six weeks. For the first two weeks, he was in drug-induced coma. But we know that people in that situation may experience the presence of others through touch or through sound. So I sat with Richard. I held his hand. I talked to him. I prayed. I read a lot of books. And eventually, as he came out, each day was kind of like the old times. I would go bird watching in the morning, and I would hang out with Richard. But it was in the ICU. But he was on a ventilator, had a tracheostomy. He could mouth words, but he couldn't make a noise. He couldn't talk. I got to talk. And and for him, I learned to read his lips. Now, two special things happened in those six weeks. As a drug addict, because he had been on opiate narcotics, he required a high dose of opiates to control his pain, yet opiates, morphine, depresses respiration, and the hope was that he would start to breathe on his own. And so it was a balancing act between controlling pain and depressing respiration. He anxiously awaited for each dose of morphine, and when it didn't come as soon as he wanted, he would mouth swear words at me or at the nurses. One afternoon towards the end, he was more than an hour away from his next dose, and he desperately wanted it. He was in pain. My heart went out to him, but I said, you're going to have to wait. With painful contortion of his face, he put his hands together, And he mouthed the words, pray for me. Now, I've had a lot of experience over the years of praying for people for their medical needs. I have seen such prayers answered. Um, I personally have had that experience here at Summit. But I have also seen people whose prayers were not answered the way they wanted. I prayed for Richard, but I confess with little faith medical knowledge can get in the way. I prayed. After something less than two minutes, I opened my eyes. Richard was asleep like a baby. I was stunned. The room felt electric, which I can only ascribe to being the presence, the palpable presence of God's Holy Spirit. The difference between Richard and I is that in that moment, he believed God would answer prayer. Now, in a medical event, you can look at one occurrence and say it's a coincidence. But when it happens more than once, it's not a coincidence. Because God answered Richard's prayer once, he fully expected God to do it again. And that's what happened. The next time was, in the, next, was the next day. He was in pain. He, he needed prayer. I prayed he fell asleep it reminded me that God is still in the business of miracles wherever you are in storytelling God is in the business of miracles now the last part. In the ICU, next to Richard's little roomette was an elderly Jewish rabbi, had a brain abscess. His son had flown in from Jerusalem, where he was a Talmudic scholar. He's an Orthodox Jew. I'm a Gentile. One morning, I was standing outside Richard's roomette waiting to get in, and he walked by he very quietly whispered the word Jew killer. And I said to him out loud, I love the children of Israel. And he stopped and looked at me, pointed through the window to Richard, and said, how is your father? And I said, He's not my father. He has no family. I'm a friend. And he said, you live here? No, I live in Canada. And he said, you came down from Canada to sit with a dying friend. That is a chesed. Chesed. It's a Hebrew word. The C-H is pronounced like Bach, Johann Sebastian Bach. The chesed is like blessed, chesed. Within the Hebrew lexicon, there is more than one expression for an act of kindness. common one is a mitzvah. If you welcome a stranger into your land, that is a mitzvah. But by tradition, the highest form of kindness is a chesed. It is a form of kindness that cannot be repaid an act of kindness to a dead person is a hesed. that's important in Jewish tradition my son and I were pallbearers at a small Jewish funeral up in Kirkland Lake we carried the coffin carried the coffin over rocky ground we used shovels to fill in the dirt after the coffin was lowered. That's a hesed. That deceased friend will never be able to repay us for that. Jesus' death on the cross is a hesed. It is indeed the greatest hesed that has ever occurred. He died that we might live. It is impossible for us to repay the God of the universe for his kindness. But by the same token, when you, by prayer, by listening, by eating, by sh- serving, by sharing your story with someone, you are exemplifying Hesed. You are pointing them to eternal life and they can't repay you for that. What's the word hesed in English? In the King James Bible, it is charity, where our daughter's name came from. Newer translations will say love, but that almost seems too weak. I prefer hesed as loving kindness. It is enduring, steadfast love. It can mean giving yourself fully with love and compassion. Psalm 63.3 refers to that. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thy loving kindness is better than life. And that's the final principle. To tell your story is a chesed. It is an act of loving kindness. Bringing good news, proclaiming salvation is a hesed. It is an act of loving kindness. With the help of the Holy Spirit, that's what we're called to do.
0: Can we just uh, say thank you to Charles? On uh, a, a beautiful story, and in it we see all of the points that we have been talking about lived out. It's incredible, in, including today's invitation uh, to bless us by using our, our words uh, to share God's love, to explain grace, whether it was in a conversation or over an email or through a text, talking about Jesus was an important part of how Charles shared the gospel with his friend Richard. You know, our our invitation to share our story, to share the the good news of Jesus, isn't just about this blessed series. It is something that Jesus invites us to, and it is something that he models for us. You know, when Jesus was here, he did use all these different kinds of ways to to bless others. He prayed, he listened, he ate with others, he served, and he also used his words uh, to share his good news. A good example of that is the story of Jesus talking to a guy by the name of Nicodemus, and you find it in John 3. And we see Jesus sharing really his own story, right, to Nicodemus about about life with God. And Jesus, Uh, even points out that he is speaking to him from his own very experience he he is saying this is what he has seen from his very own eyes Jesus tells Nicodemus his story his story that that God loves the world so much that the, the father sent his son that nobody would be lost. Jesus tells Nicodemus that, that God is about loving and God is about saving. He, he did not go to all the trouble of sending his son to, to die for us so he could tell the world how, how bad it is. <laughs> no, the ship was already sinking for us. The father sent the son to, to help, to help anyone, to help Everyone. And Jesus explains to Nicodemus that the death sentence could be left behind. That if we trust him, that if we believe in him, that we receive what he is saying to be true, if we receive him as our personal Lord and Savior, that we will have new life. Life that is full, life that is everlasting with him. And so, Jesus gives us this beautiful example of, of what it looks like to tell his story. Jesus models for us, sharing God's story, and he invites us into doing this very same thing. He invites us to, to share our hope that we have with others. And he tells us, um, he says, you know, as my disciples go to everyone, go everywhere, and let them know how you have experienced God's good news in your life, this abundant life. We see it in the book of Mark. We see it in the book of Matthew. We see this direction that is given to us by Jesus. So, so we see in Jesus, he is doing it. And we see his, his invitation for us to, to do it as well. So, so why, why is it that, that as disciples of Jesus, we, we can actually struggle with this? that sometimes it can be a little hard for us to share about Jesus with, with other people. How come sometimes we can feel uh, uncomfortable or, or reluctant about it? Maybe sometimes we, we've even missed an opportunity. And, and that's the part that, that I just wanna focus on this morning because we want us to be encouraged today, about, about sharing our stories, that we too can share our stories with, with others around us. So, so where do we face obstacles? Um, I think for some of us, uh, one of the things for sure that, that we can think about is, you know, what if they ask me something that, that I don't know how to answer? Or, or worse, what if I answer it incorrectly? or I don't know the, the right verses to point somebody to, or maybe there's just this fear of not having the right thing to say when you need to say something really important, the fear of maybe getting it wrong. Well, if you, if you have ever felt unqualified or if you feel unqualified, um, like maybe you don't have those right words to say, just, just remember that it is God who gives us the content of our story it's God who gives us the very content of our story and certainly we can trust the promise that's given in Matthew 10 that says don't worry about how to respond or what to say God will give you the right words at the right time for it is not you who will be speaking it will be the spirit of your father speaking through you We're not alone as we speak to others about beautiful heavenly things. As a Christ follower, the Spirit of God who who lives with us and in us will give us all that we need in those circumstances, And, and we can ask God to direct us as to what He would like us to say to others. He will help us and guide us even in those very conversations as we, as we listen to heaven as to those next words. And He will help us and He will guide us as we prepare for those conversations. Because if, if someone was to ask you about your story today, are you prepared to share? Because God has invited us to share our story to anyone at any time in any place. And so are we ready to speak to that reason for the hope that we walk around with. Because when when it comes to the story of our lives, there there probably are parts that, you know, we love to read and reread and reread and reread, and then there's probably chapters that we would never ever want to revisit again. There are parts that we never saw coming. Each of us has this unique and powerful story of of victory, of triumph, you know, to share with, with others. Are you ready to share it? Because we're, we're invited to do this. Remember Sophia's books, right? We have to, to reflect on, on our stories, on our lives. You know, calling out and highlighting these these pivotal points, the important people, uh, the obstacles that we face, the the challenges, those times of opposition, maybe even heartache, and and understand how God's great love and His sacrifice found us and and rescued us, and and we're invited to put into words how Jesus changed our lives put into words all those amazing ways that god has been good and god has been faithful to us we we are to to know and to highlight the very difference that jesus has made to us well in the an easy template to consider is this as as you're thinking about your story as you're praying through and talking to god about your story one, what did life look like before you met Jesus? Two, what was it like when you met Jesus? And three, what difference has Jesus made in your life? There's a story in the Bible uh, of a blind man that Jesus heals in John nine. And uh, it, it points to this, the, the man who is healed, he says, I was blind, but now I see. And yeah, this, is, this is his amazing testimony. I was blind. This is who the man was before he met Jesus. This is step one, my life before Jesus, I was blind. Part two, how I met Jesus. In his case, Jesus put mud on his eyes and he healed his sight. Part three, my life since I met Jesus. In this case, I was blind, but now I see. This explains the difference that Jesus made in this man's life. And, and each one of us has a story like this to share. And we can use this, this straightforward, simple template to help us. We, we don't need to overcomplicate it. We're not, we're not teaching theology. It's what Charles said about being an expert. This is about sharing our experience. And, and we don't need to make sure it's juicy enough. Uh, we don't need to sanitize it down, either. Instead, we need to be true to who we are. We need to keep it real about what we experience because this is God's grand redemptive story. And, and we also don't need to write a, a monologue or a, or a sermon. We just need to take those, those key, pitiful moments uh, in our lives. These moments are already so compelling because what God has done is already so extraordinary. We, we can share our story because God gives us the very content and he, and he promises to be with us and, and giving us those right words to say. Uh, Another obstacle that I believe that that we can run into is uh, Sometimes I think we can wonder how we'll be received You know what if we're too pushy or we're too offensive? Um, You know we might have this this reluctance about sharing our story because it makes us look maybe assertive or Insensitive to other people we shouldn't be forcing our way our belief system on to others, right? well I want to encourage us that if we ever start to worry about being too assertive, we can remember that, that we share our story because it is God who, who gives us the very character in it that we need to share. This isn't a, a doctrine that we're shoving down somebody's throat. This is uh, speaking humbly about our own experiences. We can share our story humbly with others because there's, there's nothing in it that we can take credit for. Our posture is, is unobtrusive um, as we tell our story because, because nothing about it was, was really conceived on our own. There's, there's nothing that, that we produced in it. There's nothing in it that we accomplished. We arrived at a place that was not really part of our plan. Uh, we have done things, likely in our walk, that, that, we, that we never would do. And we likely have been regularly surprised by God's pivots and his turns in our story. And, and chapter by chapter, there have been characters and in our story, people that, that the author has brought into our lives to, to love us and care for us like Charles to Richard, to disciple us, to support us. And, and we know that through every chapter of our story, we, we certainly have not had the will or the wisdom or the, the commitment uh, or the, the discipline uh, to be any kind of hero. We know there's only one hero in our story, and it isn't us. The one who deserves all credit and honor and, and celebration and praise is Jesus. Jesus alone. Our story is His story. There's nothing that we could have done without Christ. Everything comes from God by the way of Jesus to us. There's, there's nothing. To be pushy about or, or brash about. If, if we're going to come across strongly, if we're going to boast, we're going to boast in the Lord. Amen. We're going to boast in the Lord. This is God's story. Yeah, our, our story is only a part of God's amazing story. In Psalm 39, it tells us that, that we are like an open book it says, you have watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. All the days of my life, all prepared, even before I lived one day. <laughs> He's the author. Glory is God. So, so as we share, it, it comes from this place of reverence and, and humility before God. Our, our story is one of, of receiving this is hestity this is kindness this is this is grace this isn't about arrogance or or boasting only christ in christ by christ through christ god gives us the very the the character the form the the posture the the position of humility in which we can share our story and the last obstacle that i want to I want to speak to is, is often a challenge for many of us um, because sometimes speaking like this can make us feel a bit shy or, or nervous, maybe uncomfortable. You know, what if we're rejected or, or embarrassed, maybe we're a little afraid. Well, if, if you have ever felt an uneasy or apprehensive, just remember that it is, it is God who gives us confidence to be able to share our story. I mean, as Christ followers, we have this, this promise that the, the spirit that God gives to us, who lives in us, is, is, is one that does not make us timid. It is it's a spirit of power, it's a spirit of love. God doesn't want us to be shy, but, but to be bold. And it is possible because of, of the love of Christ, that the love of christ that we have received influences us it compels us and it's it's not because of obligation or or duty those things are an external pressure that 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 or a force that that will move us no this this is from within we are moved by by love right when we consider how deeply we are loved how How he saved us and and gave us new life and and made us heirs with him. How, How deeply he values us. How he rejoices over us and he equips us with everything good. And he works out everything good for us. God has made much of us. We have received grace upon grace. And when we consider all of this, that, that Christ's love to us looks like this, well, it, it compels us to, to share. Because, yes, when we, we receive Christ, And the Spirit of the Lord works in us and regenerates us. Yes, He gives our hearts His desire. Yes, we start to think like Him and act like Him and and love like Him. But I also believe that that right out of the gate, we are wired this way. We're wired to be for each other. God created people to, to be in connection with each other. He created us for, for relationship and for collaboration. Right? We see sharing behaviors in children as young as 19 months. I was reading this one study with a bunch of three-year-olds who didn't know each other and they were doing this, um, you know, psychological test where they're pulling strings and they're getting candy. Um, They don't know each other and they're collaborating actually and as they do this, all of the candy, they then divide it among all the children. These are three-year-olds equally so that each of them have the same amount. And I believe it's because we are wired, built this way for for connection to each other. And it's because God lives in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mutual love and mutual submission to each other in the Godhead. And as we are made in His image, so we are the same. And we have been created with this heart and this compassion for others. And sharing, sharing promotes success for others. DT Miles said it's one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. And so for those of us who have found hope in Jesus, we can share where hope is found. For, for those of us who have found freedom and, and deliverance from addiction, we can share where freedom is found. For those of us who have found healing from, from brokenness, we, we share where peace is found because this is one beggar telling another beggar where they got bread. You know, Paul said to the church in Rome, how can people get help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they if nobody tells them if nobody tells them. And so it is the the overwhelming love of Christ that we have received in our very lives that that compels us and and it gives us the confidence, it gives us the courage, it gives us the strength to share our story as we have experienced the fullness of life and love in Christ. So we want the abundant life of Christ for others too. So remember, you know, God, by His Spirit, by, by His great love, He will give us the confidence to share our story. And, and not everybody will be ready to, to see or to, to hear, to act, but the important point for us is this, before trusting is hearing, and before hearing is sharing, Will you share your story? Because God is, is gonna summon all of us into this final chapter of, of our stories. And, and this final chapter is gonna be one of those, uh, you're never gonna believe the ending kind of moments right, where where suffering and death has finally been conquered and, and peace and righteousness will reign forever and ever and ever. And there is the presence of God and the fullness of joy. And it's a chapter that will never, ever end. And this is the final chapter that we want in everybody's story. You know, sharing God's story was the ministry that Jesus started uh, with the first apostles and is continuing today through Summit Community Church and will be continuing on until he comes back. So ask God for opportunities that you might bless others by sharing your story And then we will continue together this amazing story of Jesus building his church through the power of his Holy Spirit. We saw Nicodemus, he was forever changed by Jesus sharing the good news. Richard is now with Christ forever from being with Charles and hearing the good news of Jesus. And your story has this kind of power too. It does. Your story has this kind of amazing power, too. So let's share it, friends. Let's pray.